church a little bit, you uh, know that or reference that. So if you wouldn't mind turning there, um, man, this is like really tall. Um, and while we're doing that, we have a couple of books that have been real influential on uh, kind of direction, uh, topics and things like that within this series. And I know last week you gave out a couple of books right as well. So this is the other side of the coin of uh, books that have kind of influenced it. So, but here's the way I understand the deal. The deal is this, is that if you take this book, you have to read it. Okay, it's not just like a freebie to take home and put a lamp on, you know, oh, this would be a great decoration, all right? Uh, don't want it to gather dust with all the rest of your books. Uh, college students, all your books are gathering dust, I'm sure. But um, you actually need to read this one, okay? So who's uh, two people who says, yes, I want to read, further my understanding of prayer? And I'll be, yes, sir, well, come on up. And another one over there. I'm so sorry I saw her hand first. I apologize, don't hate me. See, Chuck, this, that's just kind of the flaw here. Someone wants a book, you don't have one, they get mad at you. So it's like... Really makes things awkward, but anyway. Um, so I'm so glad to be here. Lots of joy. Super excited. And um, so a couple things you need to know about this week is that the Major League Baseball playoff start this week. No, no one else. Come on. And this is what's more exciting because Roger can amen with me. The Royals are in Kansas City, KC. It's our year again. We're going to make this happen. Um, and that's probably not important to you, but it's fun to us, right? Um, it's been a long, long hiatus. So, well, last year. But anyway, um, before then, a long time. So just want to make that clear that that's coming up this week. So be sure to tune in and watch that. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say is that um, uh, kind of a joyous morning for me. I got a couple family members here. My wife's aunt and uncle are here. So glad to see you guys. Super excited. Uh, my mentor from seminary is here, Dr. Tracy, so grateful for him, uh, and he will not be grading me, so that's really good, uh, it makes me less nervous, uh, but Dr. Tracy's been super influential with me as I pursued uh, this academic kind of endeavor and trying to stay true to, uh, gosh, being a good dad, being a good uh, father myself and husband and all that stuff, so thanks for being here, I appreciate that. Um, can I tell you how I experienced one another's this week? Um, we have taught so much here, and this is a, kind of a distinction that I love about our churches. We're trying to push ourselves into all those statements about one another's, right? Uh, like 50 plus scriptures that say one another and how we're called to treat one another. Um, and I just said one another quite a few times. But um, yesterday, four times I received a text message, and each one praying for you. That's sweet. That is so good. I mean, at random times throughout the day, uh, one came in late last night as I was kind of dozing off reading my notes, but it was so timely and so perfect. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you because it, it was deeply encouraging as I walked through the day yesterday randomly, just like, bing, oh, I'm praying for you tomorrow. I love you. Oh, wow. That's, well, that's cool. So uh, this morning has been saturated with lots of prayer, and um, I, I'm deeply encouraged by that. I hope you are, and I hope that that's what we're doing with one another uh, as we walk through the weeks. Um, but let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive in uh, to our text. Father, um, man, is that word, Father, um, pregnant with meaning. Uh, Lord, is it colored in a lot of ways and really significant for us. And uh, My prayer is simple this morning, uh, Lord, that I just pray for healing uh, for those of us that need us, because Father may not land on some of us very well. So would you heal our hearts where we need to be healed to understand that you are the perfect Father and that you will stand in that gap and you'll love us like we've never been loved before. You, do, you, you accept us and you love us. And, um, so I pray for that. So I pray for healing and, and I pray for intimacy. 
I think Father evokes an intimate relationship. So may you do that work in our hearts as we walk through this. Um, so Lord, it's in your name and pray. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. I'm just going to read the text. We're going to be covering this over, gosh, in that seven, eight weeks, is I forget. So we're going to really methodically pick through the Lord's Prayer. You've probably heard it a lot. Maybe I memorized it at some point in your life, but never really fully knew, what is this doing for me? How is this uh, setting a framework for prayer? How is it encouraging me? Because Jesus says, and we looked at last week, he says, pray like this. What does he say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And grateful that Chuck is covering that one. But anyway... Matthew chapter 6. And so today we're just going to look at that first phrase, our Father in heaven. And let me just, before I go any further, I, I want to, it's kind of been standard practice for me to work hard on an introduction, um, to entice and pull anyone in who's listening. I mean, if preaching taught me anything, it's the need to be concise, to be clear, to be interesting, and of course, most importantly, Christ-centered. The first few words out of your mouth either make people think, all right, I'll listen, I'll give you a few more moments, or, yeah, not a chance, you annoy me. <laughs> but I don't think that today calls for a crafty introduction, because the topic alone will be enough of a pull. See, here at the outset, it would be best to acknowledge the difficulty that will arise from today's message. For some, it will be a sweet aroma, but for others, it will be a dark hall that you avoid. What has these two radical effects on us? Well, it's our fathers. At the mention of father, you either smile with fondness or you cringe with hatred. You see, a father has tremendous effects on an individual. And we have powerful emotions towards that person that we call father. So I wonder, at the moment we read the Lord's Prayer, and we hear that word father, I wonder if it's bothersome or if it's freeing. Does it excite us at the thought of an intimate fellowship with the Holy God? Or is it a reminder of another person you can't please? Well, according to Jesus, fatherhood is the house we sit in when we fellowship with God in prayer. See, our communion with him, this thing called prayer, is through the lens of Father. Jesus' first word, first word out of his mouth when he says, pray like this, is Father. But perhaps you read it this way. Our Father who is earthly. Our Father who abandoned us. Our Father who I could not please. Our father who needed money more than a child. Our father who was angry. 
Our Father who belittled me. Our Father who spoke harshly with me. Or perhaps our Father who liked sports more than me. Let's dispel the notion together this morning that fathers were not perfect. And let's acknowledge together that fathers carry significant weight in our lives. There's no other way around it, whether positive or negative. But there's a clue here to pull us out of despair. And it's the word are. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. You may get a little upset, but just think back with me for a moment to your elementary English class and parse the word are. You're probably thinking, parse the word are? What does that even mean? What are the parts of speech of the word are? Well, I'll tell you. First, person, plural. Like, all right, dude, what does that mean? I don't want to talk about English here. But there's something about that word, right? It's first person, so the speaker is including himself in this statement. So Jesus is speaking. So what is he doing? He's including himself along with us in this address of Father. Is that striking a little bit? Our Father. I'm stepping into this too, collectively. I'm included. Our Father. You see, he's no ordinary father, but he's Jesus' father as well. And notice something. That father is singular. It's not plural. It's indicating that this father that we're addressing is everyone's father. And what a father he is. Psalms 27.10 says, For my father and my father... My mother, <laughs> my father and my mother, that's mother and father together. That's how you get father, which is weird. But anyway, um, my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. This is no ordinary father that we're addressing. There was a student who sat in my office quite a few years ago who did not know his father and did not know his mother. And as he began to pour out the frustration of that reality of his life, we turned to this passage, and I read it to him. I said, hey, do you know something? Though your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you. He wept in my office at the thought that somebody wanted him. And not just somebody, but God, the Father, would never forsake him. Well, Psalm 68, 5, because we're not dealing with any ordinary father. If this is Jesus' father as well, there's something different about him. What's different? Well, he's the father of the fatherless, protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. So this morning, maybe we should let those words rush over us with healing. Why don't you let them calm your soul and breathe excitement into your heart and maybe hear them whisper, it's okay. God will be your father. And don't fret, he's good. He will not forsake you. 
I hope that this is running through your mind and being whispered into your ears as we read this text that he will not demand more than you can bear. You do not have to earn his approval. For those of us who hear Father and we smile, right? We smile with fondness. We remember those moments when we both went to headbutt each other and we hit each other's head and passed out for a while because my dad was so playful. And when I, I think of these moments and they rush over me and I smile because he made me laugh, he was so funny. Well, let these words refresh us. Let's hear these words and be grateful that we had a father that lived out a way that showed us towards the perfect father. You see, our fathers have profound impact. And it's strategic that Jesus would start his prayer with father. But see, there's a second clue here that we are not dealing with any ordinary father, okay? And it's the words, in heaven. You see, if the words... If the, the prayer was just simply left with our Father, and it wasn't pushed upwards towards heaven, it might leave us a little hopeless, right? We might have a tendency to only think earthly and feel disappointed. Oh, our Father, I can't please my Father, so I guess it's no good. We might have a tendency to let those thoughts rule the day, but see, Jesus is leaving this fallen state of ours towards a perfect Father who we have the privilege to engage in intimately, Father. See, this addition of location is to lift the aching soul upwards, to pick you up and to say, look upwards, to set our gaze towards him, to make this prayer otherworldly. See, we're not engaging in mere small talk, but in prayer, we have the privilege to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, as Psalm 27.4 says. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see, fatherhood is the house we sit in when we fellowship with God in prayer. Whether positive or negative, when we think of the word father, it still remains true that fatherhood is the house we sit in when we fellowship with God in prayer. So we must spend our time together savoring the perfect father. It would be a little bit foolish for us to stay here with all the frustrations, but rather to look upwards because that's what he's doing. Our Father, my Father, who is in heaven, let's look up to God, who is the perfect Father. So my aim and my goal, and I think what Jesus wanted us to do, is to savor the perfect Father. So that what? Our communion with him, our prayers as we call them, will be sweet and full of freedom. So what does it mean for God to be our Father? What does it mean? Well, I think first it indicates that there's a relationship. I mean, to me, this is probably the most important thing 
When I hear the word fathers, that it indicates there indeed is a relationship. You see, there's no way that Jesus would say our father if he had no confidence that it was true. He knows the father. And through him, Jesus, we know the father. You see, a few weeks ago, or actually I guess the whole whole entire summer, we spent a significant time looking at John chapters, what, 13 through 17 where we saw Jesus address God as Father. Constantly, God, Father, Father, Father. See, it was a common way that he refers to this internal relationship between the Trinity. So when he says, our Father, it means we are experiencing a relationship with God. It means we have his ear. We have God the Father's ear. The creator of the universe hears us. God the Father who spoke the world into existence, well, he hears us. God the Father who made the Son, and if we were just an inch closer, we'd be all really crispy. That same God, he hears us. God the Father who's not bound by time and has already seen and lived tomorrow, he he hears us. God the Father who is all-powerful, well, he hears us. This is no ordinary father. You might be thinking, well, how can this be? How can God, creator of the universe, be my father? Well, in theological terms, and not really even theological terms, the Bible uses this term called adoption. What is adoption? The act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. Doesn't that sound really good? The act of God. Because it has to be an act of God. How can the creator of the universe be my father? How can there be a relationship, an intimate relationship with this God who is beyond all comprehension? Well, it's an act of God. (laughs) Whereby what? He makes us members. He makes us members of his family. Romans 8.15 And I included all these scriptures because I want you to read this. I want this to to simmer. (laughs) I want this to just like burn in your head for a little while. And a nice burn, I guess. I I I want you to feel the weight. This act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. How? Romans 8, 15, Paul said, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. To fall back into fear. But what did you receive? You received the spirit of adoptions. As sons by whom we cry. Here's two terms. Abba, more like daddy. And then the term we're dealing with, father. That's good news. What we received at the moment of salvation is that we became his sons. The spirit of adoption, the act of God whereby we can call him dad, we can call him father, so we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ, let's be clear, 
how does adoption happen? How do we walk that road to become his sons? Well, for in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. Those who have trusted Christ for their redemption and salvation and who in faith have placed themselves in him and repentance said, I will follow him. Those are sons of God. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. And I could have listed a thousand scriptures, but these are the really good ones. <laughs> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, right? There's the means. We're constantly coming back to the son Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. He walked, he was here, he lived, he breathed. To redeem those who were under the law, for what reason? So that we might receive adoptions as sons. You see, our father wanted us back. And through the work of Christ, we are adopted, an act of God whereby we can call him Father. You see, we can only utter the word Father because of Jesus. You see, God the Father, check this out, God the Father through the work of God the Son is our Father. You see, God the Father through the work of God the Son is our Father, we can cry out to him. We can grab a hold of him. We must consider before all other things that Father indicates relationship. And that's good. As one scholar put it, we must first recollect our situation and realize our standing in Christ before we proceed into prayer. When we hit that word, our Father, or those words, at first we must recollect our situation and realize our standing in the Son, Christ, before we proceed into prayer. Or John Calvin put it this way, For what, with what confidence could any man call God Father? Who in their right mind, right? For what would any man call God his Father? Who would have the presumption to claim to himself the honor of a son of God were it not the gratuitously adoption as his sons into Christ? The unmerited work of Christ to adopt us. He being the true son has been given to us as a brother. That's good. So that which he possesses as his own, by nature, becomes ours by adoption. Everything that he possesses by nature becomes ours by adoption, if we embrace this great mercy with firm faith. When I was a kid, my dad was a painter slash carpenter, more frequently a painter, and he wore these things called painter pants, sometimes called carpenter pants, and a few years ago they became popular. You remember that? See, he wore them way before they were popular. But they have like this little loop, and they're usually on the left side of the, the pants. You guys remember that? And that loop is made out of the fabric, whatever the material is. So I don't understand this. My dad is a painter. Painter pants, they were white. <laughs> dad, they're going to get mad. It's like they're white and they were white. But anyway, so he wore these painter pants. They had a little loop. You know what that loop's for? 
hammer. There we've got a few people who understand the uh, thoughtfulness of that addition of fabric on the side of the leg. It's for the hammer. Well, my dad wore these pants all the time growing up, and we lived in this small house uh, by this kind of busy road, as busy as a two-lane country road can be, but um, <laughs> we lived there. And right up the hill from us was a, a smaller grocery store. Everybody knew everybody, and so my dad and I on occasion would walk up there. And this is so glorious to me. Like, I loved it, and I loved being around my dad. And he was like, hey, we're going to walk up to the store. I'm like, yes, you get home from work. We're going to walk up there, grab whatever, some snacks, maybe a soda or something, which we didn't call it soda in Tennessee. Everything's Coke. I don't really know why, but anyway. Um, so, so we'd walk up there, and as we got to the road, he was standing in between me and the road, and I'd grab that little loop on his pants. Oh, man, that felt awesome. I would grab that little loop, and I was like, yeah. This dude is my dad. This guy right here. And everything faded away. I, like, the road was non-existent to me. Even if there were cars, which there were a few. <laughs> Even if a car did pass by, like, non-existent because I was with my father. And I was connected to him. There was a relationship. And I was grabbing a hold of him saying, I need you even to walk to the store. When we say our Father, we're grabbing onto that loop. And we're saying, I'm with Him. I'm connected to Him. I am His and He is mine. Because Father indicates relationship. And when we say our Father, we're grabbing that loop and we're saying, yeah. And our confidence builds not on ourselves, not on our ability to grab. Because my dad would say, here, grab. We're saying I'm with him. You see, fatherhood is the house we sit in when we fellowship with God in prayer. You see, fatherhood is the house we sit in when we fellowship with God in prayer. And first and foremost, it indicates a relationship. Well, secondly, it indicates love. The overwhelming use of this imagery of Father in speaking about God is love. Scriptures use Father as a means to say what? To clearly say God extends love and compassion towards his children. They frequently reference God as Father to make it clear that this God, this Father extends love and compassion. Psalms 103.13, as a father shows compassion to his children. So there's a statement. And here's the exact opposite, but further developed. So the Lord. See, it's in direct parallel. As the father, so the Lord. Shows compassion, shows compassion. The father who's his children, or who are the children of, of, of God, father? Those who fear him. You see, as the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. See, as we say our father, and as we engage in this otherworldly endeavor of communing with God, we can grab a hold of that, that loop because there's a relationship and there's something about that connection that says, this dude loves me. This guy extends compassion towards me. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. How do we see that? 
What do you mean, what kind of love? What, how does that work its way out? That we should be called children of God. We precisely know that God loves us because he calls us children. And I love that last part, and so we are. Or there's, yeah. Is it not there? <gasps> and so we'd be called children of God. And so we are, right? See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You see, as, as one scholar put it, by the great sweetness of this name, Father, it frees us from all distrust. You see how that overwhelming amount of love and compassion that we're saying that's wrapped up in Father should free us from all distrust that this Father has our best interests in mind. That this Father is different. Which leads us to our last point. Because I think when we say our Father, we can't get away from this point. Because when you stack up the scriptures that use this analogy of Father, one thing becomes very apparent, that that term indicates freedom to obey. Now, notice I didn't leave obey just out there to make you go, oh, here we go. Yeah, here comes all the things I knew that were going to come. But notice I say calling him God, calling him our father is a little bit different. It gives us freedom to obey. So a couple of scriptures before we spend some time in 1 Peter, Malachi 1.6, it builds on this. Here's what it says. The son honors his father and the servant his master. So if then I am your father, this is God speaking, where's my honor, right? There's something about saying father that this relationship, that it indicates a willingness to listen. Hebrews 12, Deuteronomy 8, Proverbs 3, connect discipline with love of a father. That it connects that the Father works with us in a way to correct us in a loving way, to bring about healing and wholeness. But 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 17, he begins to tie this connection of freedom of obedience. So in verse 17, he says, And if you call on him as Father, and in prayer we do, that's what we're doing. Jesus says, Our Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, will then conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, that means your current situation, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers. And he goes to say, well, how did this happen? Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You weren't purchased with money, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. You see, Peter, everything is built on the blood of Christ. First, the means by which we can call him Father. We've established that fairly clearly, but Peter doesn't want to make it, uh, make, it, um, uh, make it more clear to say that first, the means by which we call him Father is based upon this work of Christ. And secondly, here, Peter indicates the means by which we conduct ourselves in obedience to this Father, listening is also through the work of Christ. You see, this Father is different. How is he different? He has made the way to himself. And secondly, and really crucial for the joy of the rest of our life, is given the means by which we can listen and do what the Father says 
If we don't do what the Father says, we don't obey Him to gain His acceptance. See, the Father's acceptance of us is based on our brother, Jesus, and His shed blood. But now, all of a sudden, as we come to the Father in prayer, and we say our Father, we're also indicating that I'm going to listen to you. Because it communicates a relationship, and it communicates love, and it communicates a willingness to listen. But here's the beauty about this Father. He's also granting you the means by which you can listen and do what He says. You see, we don't pursue obedience because we want the Father's acceptance. We pursue obedience because the Father has loved us. Because the Father has created a relationship with us. You see, we don't gain His acceptance. The Father's acceptance of us is based on our brother. Jesus, and his shed blood. So his fatherhood truly is our confidence as we come to prayer. This relationship of God as our father truly is our confidence. You see, this is the framework, or maybe I could say it this way, our thinking as we pray. Fatherhood. We approach him as a child to their father. See, it builds our confidence that we will be heard. How does that fatherhood breed confidence? Well, it breeds confidence in knowing that we will be heard. So Galatians 4 will pick up just past where we stopped earlier. Verse 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer slave, but a son, and all the rights and privileges of a son, and if a son, then an heir. You can have confidence today that when you utter the words, our Father, that you are going to be heard. It indicates the relationship, so therefore, it builds confidence that we will be heard. Secondly, it builds our confidence that we will be handled with love. This is pretty crucial. Because he loves us, because it indicates love, then it should build our confidence that we're going to be handled with love. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Listen to this. Jesus is speaking. He said, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, got to love that, right? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So all of a sudden, the no from our Father is good. See, a Father can say no, and it's still good. It should build our confidence we'll be handled with love. And lastly, it'll build our confidence to freely obey, freely obey. Not with the oppressive thought that I've got to earn his favor. I've got to sneak around this father so I don't bother him too much. <laughs> or I've got to come back with a perfect report card and I'm going to get slammed when I get home. No, but this relationship with this father, it frees us to go and be what he's called us to be because we're not gaining his approval. But because he's loved us and he's made us his sons and daughters. Check this out. This is great. Luke twenty-two forty-two. See, it builds our confidence to freely obey. Well, this is Jesus' prayer in the garden. Here's what he says. He says, Father, 
He starts with Father, addresses Father. If you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, my will, but your will be done. It frees us to obey. You see, fatherhood is the house we sit in when we fellowship with God in prayer. And we would do well to continue to learn what it means to be our father. And in that effort, when you leave out today in the foyer on the uh, table over there, there's these little things that kind of uh, give us a lot of truth about your father. I, I encourage you to pick that up and read all these scriptures, read all these statements to understand. Because in prayer, him being our father, it builds confidence we're going to be heard. So we'll engage it more frequently. We'll engage it with joy because he's our father. It also indicates that he loves us. So when he says no, we'll say thank you. And it indicates and it builds our confidence to freely obey because our Father has our best interests in mind. And we need to listen to our Father. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. And I pray that as we've walked through the scriptures, as we walk through the text, that you've healed us. Pray that you've healed our broken hearts that have been beaten down by that person we call Father, who was supposed to love us like you, but yet some in this room never experienced it. Oh, Father, would you step in a mirac- step in in a miraculous way this morning? And those who are crying out for a Father. May you stir their hearts to respond, and may they not leave this room without seeking you as their father, to surrender their lives to you as their father. Lord, for those of us who have fond memories of our father, may we rejoice in gratefulness for that, but may we be mindful that our father we listen to, our father we freely obey. So give us that grace this week and remind us of your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen.